The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, welcome to Grove Church Snohomish. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Andrew, and we are thrilled that you took your time out on a Sunday to be here. Today is a cool day because I get to brag about our church. First of all, yesterday we had a cool opportunity to actually serve Snohomish High School. Uh, and there's about a half a dozen of us that came out. And uh, it was awesome to partner with this school. How many believe this is a really cool space to be able to meet in? Pretty awesome. Absolutely. Uh, but it was super cool to be able to hang out here and serve with the students and the principals. So I want to say thank you to every person that came out yesterday and helped with that. I also want to encourage you to be here next week. Uh, we're doing something that's probably my favorite thing to do as a preacher. And we're actually going through a book of the Bible, uh, kind of verse by verse. And the book is Colossians. So I just want to encourage you, um, if you own a Bible, you have the Bible on the app. I want to encourage you even now to start reading out of the book of Colossians. It only takes about 20 minutes and only four chapters long, but you can begin to read through it. It's going to be a great series. My favorite thing, honestly, is to preach specifically straight from God's Word and kind of a verse-by-verse format, and so you can start doing that this week as you join us next Sunday here at the Grove Church. Today we're wrapping up a series called Bad Advice, uh, and today I'm going to talk about how to be dissatisfied, okay? This has been a four-week se- series, and as you'll hear in a moment, it's been the hardest sermons I've ever preached because I'm preaching the opposites, and so today I'm going to tell you how to be dissatisfied with your life, and I'm going to show you how to do that, and so it's going to be a really fun, fun day for all of us. Okay, how many of you want to admit that if you just had a little bit more money, life would be easier? Go and just raise your hand. You want to admit. If you got a little bit more money, life would be easier, okay? Or better, all right? I remember being a kid. I grew up uh, in North Marysville. My mom and my dad, I had two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. And sometimes my mom and dad, they would uh, go out of town on different conferences and, and different things. And they would always uh, do this. For the most part, uh, on our living room table, we would walk in. And on the, the kitchen table there, there'd be an envelope. And it had the names of, of each one of us on the envelope. So, you know, it said, one of them said Jordan. You know, the other one said Nathaniel. And then the other one said, you know, Andrew. And inside the envelope was $20 per kid, okay? But, you know, the, the gimmick or the rule with the money was there was a list of things that needed to be done in order to, you know, keep that $20. And so, it, you know, I don't know. There's so many of them, but one of them was like, you know, Andrew, chop the wood and mow the lawn, all right? It was like a chore thing. Uh, Nathaniel, you know, clean both bathrooms, including the tubs. And, uh, you know, Jordan, uh, you know, vacuum the living room and put the dishes away or something like that. Well, mom and dad would get home and guess what would happen? Good old Andrew. How many of you are the youngest in the family? You're the baby? Come on. Baby's rule. Yes. The youngest in the family. All right. The favorite. Okay. I always did my chores. Always got my money. Okay. And the way it worked with my brother. Okay. My brother Jordan. I wish he was here today because maybe you can listen to this later. But Jordan, he was always too busy with his girlfriends. Okay. Like he was just the ladies man in our house. And uh, I had to share a bedroom with him. And so Sometimes he'd be on the phone with his girlfriend, and man, it was just hilarious. He, you know, he'd be on the phone, he'd be like, no, you hang up. No, you. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know? Sometimes my brother would fall asleep on the phone with his girlfriends. It was hilarious. I'm like, Jordan, Jordan, what? 
get out of my room. I'm talking about, you were sleeping. Okay, so he was too busy with his girlfriends. Okay, Nathaniel just didn't care. Okay, so he never did any of the chores. So I would bargain with them. I'd be like, hey, if you give me five of your 20, I'll do the tubs. You know, if you give me 10 of your 20, I'll vacuum the living room. And I'm like trying to barter with my family, trying to gain, you know, a little bit more money. But even back then, okay, even as a little kid back then, there was something about the desire to want more, okay? I mean, you could be a little kid and $20, like, oh man, $20. But if I had $40, if I, had, if I just had a little bit more, I would be more happy as a kid. And a lot of us kind of struggle with this in, in some way or another. And again, I'm gonna do my very best to talk to you today about how to be dissatisfied. First Timothy uh, 6, 6 through 8 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. If you're honest in here, how many of you would say you got plenty of clothing? Go ahead and raise your hand. Plenty of clothing to go around. Yep, okay. What about food? Anybody skip a meal this week? Okay, most of us. Most of us have plenty of food and clothing to go around. And most people that we know, obviously, there's people we know that go without. But most people we know have the basic needs. They have enough food. They have enough clothing they can get by. And yet, most people are not satisfied or content with what they have. And they've believed this advice, and this is, the, this is part of the bad advice. If I just had a little more, I'd be happy. If I just had just a little bit more, I'd be happy. What I have is not enough. Uh, doing some study on this, so a Gallup poll did a study on a group of individuals over about a 10 year period, okay? And here's what they did with this group of individuals. They asked these individuals, they found a group that was making $30,000 or less. Now, I know it's different where you live and demographics and that kind of stuff, but they, they, they got a group of people and they figured out that they made $30,000 or less and they surveyed them and they said, how much money would you need to make to be happy? Okay, and the average, you know, it's different numbers, but most people came to the, and they kind of averaged it out, most people came to this answer as a single person. Well, if I made 74,000 a year annually, I would be happy, okay? 10 years later, when those individuals, same people, were making that money, and they asked them, you know, you had said 10 years ago, if you make this amount of money, you'd be happy. Now you're making this money or even more. Is it enough? Okay, so that was the first group. The second group that they surveyed was a group that was making 50000 annually, Okay, and they asked them, what would you want or what would you need to make in order to be satisfied, in order to be happy? Well, this group said, if we made $100,000, if we just made you know, 50000 more than what we make now, we'd be happy. So 10 years later, they surveyed both groups and, and guess what both groups said? You can guess it. The people that were making 74000 said, man, we got three kids now, and then we got the mortgage, and my wife's trying to go to school. And we just, man, if we just had a little bit more, we would be okay. 
Even, even some people who were making then from 50, 10 years later had you know, re, you know, gotten married. Maybe they have a combined income of 100,000 now. And they'd ask them, hey, you know, now that you're making this, is, is this enough? Like, well, man, I mean, we thought at that time it would be, but then, you know, our kids needed braces and then we needed a bigger home and now we needed a second car payment. And the whole point of the survey was basically to drive home this point that nobody was satisfied with what they were making. They all just wanted a little bit more. Listen to this parable that Jesus said about a rich man. He said, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then if I have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods, I'll then sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So we all struggle with wanting more. If I only had a bigger house, if I only had more grain in the barn, but it's not just about money. It could honestly be about anything, right? If I only had a better job, then I would be satisfied. You know, no, it's not that. If I had a job with benefits, then I would be satisfied. You know what? It's even bigger than that. Okay, we're married now and we have kids. And here's the thing. If we get married, then I'll be satisfied if you're a single person. If you're married, if we have kids, then we'll be satisfied. If you have kids and you're married, if our kids get out of diapers, then we'll be satisfied. If our kids get to school and we can finally get a break, then I'll be satisfied. If our kids will stop treating me as a taxi and they'll learn how to drive and get a driver's license, then I'll be satisfied. If my kid moves out of my house at 23, for the love of God, then I'll be satisfied. I mean, you name it, we're always wanting something more. If I can fit into those new genes, then I'll be satisfied. There's something about our lives where it doesn't seem like it's ever enough. Jesus wraps up this parable by saying this, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. If you're looking to be dissatisfied, if you find yourself wanting to figure out a way to be unsatisfied with your life, I'm gonna give you the worst advice possible in these four ways. You can write them down. They'll also be on the screen. Here's the bad advice for you. Number one, focus on being ungrateful. Focus on being ungrateful. If you want to be dissatisfied with your life, focus on being ungrateful. First Thessalonians says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. No, no, no. You're not trying to be thankful. You're trying to be ungrateful. You're wanting to be dissatisfied. So you're going to gripe always. You're going to gripe about anything. You're going to gripe about everything. Anytime you can be critical, be critical. Anytime there's something wrong, point it out and learn to take on the attitude and the spirit of ingratitude. Focus on being ungrateful. Never give thanks. Here's a great way to focus on being ungrateful. Resent God's goodness in others. 
When your friend gets a new car or your friend gets a new house, man, just resent it. And then talk to other people about it and say, you know, you know they can't afford that car. You know, they can't afford that house. You know, if I, I, we can afford it, but they can't. Resent God's goodness. Tell others all the time that what you have is way less than what someone else has. Compare your junk car that's been, you know, has tons of miles and the seatbelt's broken and the seats are all, you know, worn out to the person who just got the new ride of the new gig. Focus on being ungrateful. Resent God's goodness in others and ignore God's goodness in you. Never be grateful for where you live. Don't be grateful that you have health. Don't be grateful that you have a family. Don't be grateful that you have a job, but look for something to where you can gain more. Number two, if you're looking to be dissatisfied, compare what you have to people who have more. First, Second Corinthians says it like this, we dare not we do not dare to classify, excuse me, or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. If you're looking to be dissatisfied, focus on being ungrateful. Number two, compare what you have to people who have more. Here's a great example. If you like your house, just watch AGTV for hours, okay? You'll grow to hate your house, okay? Uh, you, will, you will grow to just dislike that house that you live in, okay? You'll compare yourself and what you have to Chip and Joanna, and you'll see what they do to someone's home, and you'll be like, man, I want them to come to my home. Why can't they come to my home? I want demo day. I want demo day. I want demo day. I want it. They make it look so easy. Compare what you have to people who have more. Compare your marriage to others. Compare your salaries to others. I mean, for goodness sake, just compare washer and dryers to each other. I love this one. Well, you know, the other day we went and got the stackable, the front loaders, it's the new thing. And then your friend's like, oh, no, 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 that's not the new thing. It's actually the, the top loader. It's the side-by-side -side now. It's not the stackable anymore. It's the side-by-side because -side. it gets moldy, and if the door doesn't stay open, it gets nasty. So it's the side-by-side. -side. you got to get the side-by-side. -side. Yeah, our washer and dryer is so quiet. doesn't even shake our house. doesn't make a noise. You walk away going, man, we, honey, we got to buy a new washer and dryer. Theirs doesn't shake our their house. I mean, with silliness, the things that we compare ourselves to others, compare what you have to people who have more. If you're looking to be dissatisfied, focus on being ungrateful. Compare what you have to people who have more. Number three, if you're looking to be dissatisfied, pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Jesus said, in Luke 12, 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Forget it. Yes, it does. Life is all about what you have. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Whatever, okay? Listen, if you want to be dissatisfied, go get it. New is better. More is better. 
everything that you want, go and get, because life is not about investing in the eternal. Life is not about looking long-term. Life is not about storing up treasures in heaven. Whoever told you that, don't listen to them. It's about the here and the now. Focus on getting what you want now. And the sarcasm just continues to boil out of me. If you want to be dissatisfied, focus on being ungrateful. Compare what you have to people who have more. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. And lastly, if you want to be dissatisfied, develop an attitude of entitlement. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. That's what it says. It says, if Christ had not come and had died on a cross for you and for me and forgiven us of our sin, if we had not accepted his grace, then what we deserve is death. But no, 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 no. We deserve, no, 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 no. No, we, no, we deserve way more than death. We deserve whatever we feel like we want to get in that moment. That's what we deserve. And so what we begin to do is we take on an attitude of entitlement. That's mine. That's how this is going to be. This is how this works. And we begin to realize that everything that we have is not a gift from God. Everything that we have is actually ours. If you want to be dissatisfied, man, be ungrateful. Gripe, complain. Compare what you have to people who have more. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Lastly, just be entitled and think to yourself, this is what I'll have and I'll get more because life is about the things I want in this moment. That's it. That's the worst advice I can give you. I'm being dissatisfied. And you know what? This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never preached messages where I preach the opposites. And the reason why I'm so passionate about doing this is because if we're really honest with ourselves and we really think about it, you and I complain all the time about where we live. You and I complain all the time that we have nothing to wear. You and I complain all the time that if we just had a little bit more, then our life would be better. For some of us, we compare our lives to someone's social media highlights on a, on a Facebook or Instagram and think, oh man, look at what they did. Oh, if I could just go do what they do and have what they have. And oh man, my life would just be so much better if I could live their life. That's how we compare our lives. We even come with entitlement sometimes in, our, in, in the church, whether it's, hey, this is my seat, or, you know, that's not how we do it here, or, you know, you better act this way, and we tend to forget that Christ came to set us free from wanting more. Christ came to set us free from being dissatisfied with our lives. As we wrap up this series, I I want to drive home this final point here with you and get a little bit practical for a minute, just personally about my life. But I, I focused on these four topics, drifting from God, addictions, adultery, and now being satisfied. I focused on these four topics these past four weeks because here's what is really happening, I think, for you and I. How we live reveals what we believe. How we live reveals what we believe. Because faith is produced in action. So it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter 
whether or not we know the songs or necessarily know the scriptures, what matters more is how we live our Monday through Saturday life as a Christ follower. How we live reveals what we believe. And most lives, and I am so tempted in this all the time, most lives are saying this. What Christ offers is not as good as what this world offers. We may not want to say that honestly. We may not like the sound of that, but that's what we're saying when we drift from God in week one. I gave a story about growing up at the beach And every now and then, if you don't recognize where you put your stuff and you continue to play in the water, over time what you realize is, oh my word, I've drifted away from where I started. So you and I are prone to drift away from God when we set up other things in our lives that take priority. Because how we live reveals what we believe. We we talked about addictions. We said, man, God offers joy and God offers peace and God offers freedom. We know that. The Bible says that the truth will set us free. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we can come to him as who we are and he can set us free from these things. And yet, you and I at times choose to be mastered by a habit or a thing or something because we want a temporary fix to a permanent problem in our heart, which is sin. And so we talked about addictions. We want to be in control. And so instead of letting God take center stage of our lives we feel that that, ha- that habit or that substance can offer something that Jesus doesn't offer. We talked about adultery last week, a pretty heavy message for some of us. And again, how to commit adultery. We said yes to our spouse years ago at an altar. And then for whatever reason, a simple image or a conversation or a high school friend has now become something we never thought it would be. And now we're exchanging God's amazing grace and mercy in marriage for something that seems so exciting in the moment. And then today, dissatisfied with life, we say Christ is enough. We say Christ is all that we need. And then yet you and I struggle so much with saying to ourselves, if we just only had a little bit more of whatever that is for you, we would be satisfied. It's always tough as a preacher to preach God's word. And I've said this in week one, because any finger I'm pointing at you, I'm pointing like five at myself. And this is probably one of the more harder ones for me because I struggle so much with thinking that I don't have enough. And personally right now, it's, it's our home. I, I complain so much about where I live to my wife. I talk so much about how I don't like where we live. We can't have people over. It's too small. It's just not this. It's not that. And here's what I do. I make my family go look at homes that we can't afford. I, I send my real estate agent images of homes I can never pay for. And why? Because I believed the lie that if I just had a bigger home, if I just had a bigger home, life would be, I would be fine. I would finally be content if I just had the bonus room upstairs for the kid. If I just had, you know, four bathrooms and not three, which is ridiculous. If I just had bigger space, if I could just have people over to host, then it would be enough. And, and I have to be honest with myself today and say, man, my home is more than enough. What I have is more than enough. I grew up in a, in a 1,200 square foot rambler with two bathrooms and one was off limits because it was my parents. 
And that was enough. And yet we struggle so much, and I struggle with a message like this because I think that I need to have more, and today it's, I think I need to have more square footage. I love what Paul says. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I considered everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I love this, what he says here. Everything else doesn't matter but Christ. Everything else doesn't matter but knowing Christ. And yet you and I are tempted every single day, if we're honest, to want more than just Christ. And I don't know what it is for you. For you, it's the home I live in. For, for me, it's, it's looking at that property thing in the mail that they send over here going, oh man, if I sold today, I'd make, the, oh my, oh man, what could I do with that? I, I don't know what it is for, for you and what that thing is of more, but Paul is saying to us, coming from a place of prison, all that I want, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them rubbish or garbage that I may gain Christ. Man, I want to get to a place like that where I'm satisfied in Christ and I have more than enough in him. See, Christ in you is stronger than the temptation to drift from his presence. Christ in you is stronger than the addiction that is trying to master you and I. Christ is in you is stronger than an image or a a person or a thing that's trying to take away from the merits that God has given you. Christ in you is stronger than the more that you think you need in this very moment and the more that you struggle with. He's in us and he wants that for us. See, I have to think to myself, what matters then? If Christ is enough for my life, if Paul says, I, I just, if I could just lose it all for the sake of knowing Christ, if Christ is really all that matters in this life, then what else is, is there that matters? Can I tell you right now, if people matter. Christ came for people. Christ came for you and me, and people matter to him. You know what else matters to Christ? People knowing him having relationship with him, coming to salvation, coming to a place where they're living in darkness and being brought to light, that matters. You know what matters? Storing up treasures in heaven, investing in God's kingdom where, you know, know, moth and rust and thieves can't break in and steal, that's what matters. You know what matters is our families and our children loving Jesus and serving his church and becoming light and salt in this world. You know what matters? You and I connecting and building relationship with one another so that we can hold each other up in a world where it seems so dark. We can be the light to one another. That matters. You know what matters? You and I being a salt and light to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends who are far from Christ, who don't know him, and if they don't say yes to him, their life in this earth will be miserable, but their life after will be even more miserable. That's what matters. You know what matters? Loving your wife as Christ loves the church and gave his life for her. You know what matters? Playing with your kids when they're small and loving them when they get older and every season in between. That's what matters. 
These are the things that matter in our lives, and yet we struggle so much if we're honest with saying, man, if we only had this, if I only could get that, if I only had what they had, then it would be enough, and I wouldn't need any more. I asked you a question here today. I'm going to have the worship team make their way up. I asked you a question here at the beginning when I said, how many of you, if you would be honest, if you just had a little bit more, life would be easier? Can I tell you today, you have more than enough. Can I tell you today that with Christ, you have more than enough? That in him, you have everything you could need to live this godly life. Can I tell you today that the pursuit of the temporary is never worth the eternal? Can I tell you today that Christ is more than enough in our lives and has more incredible things for you when we choose his kingdom and his plan over the temptation for temporary things in this life? Will you bow your heads with me here today? I want to give you the opportunity today if you're here and I want you to hear what Paul says in Philippians. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I considered everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You could be here today and maybe you've grown up in church or maybe this is your brand new day here on a Sunday, but you've yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says Christ is everything. Paul says nothing in this life matters other than knowing Christ Jesus. I wanna tell you today that Christ died on a cross for your sins. He became our mediator he became the person that gave his life for you and I so that we could have great life and joy in this life, but even life in eternity with him. And if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm not walking with Christ. I don't know Christ. I've been far from him. I want to know him more than anything else. I want to consider everything else rubbish, and I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ and accept him as my Lord and Savior. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand in this place and say, I want to know Jesus. Awesome. Thank you. We got one, two. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Three in the back. Thank you. You can put your hands down with those three. Anyone else? You want to say yes to Jesus today with those three hands. Four, thank you, sweetie, I see your hand. Anyone else with these four hands? And if you're a Christ follower with me, would you just pray this prayer? And if you raise your hand, you just repeat this prayer after me. It's very simple. You just say, Jesus, come on, church, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want a fresh start. I need a fresh start. I accept your fresh start in Jesus' name. And God, I want to pray right now in this place for any person here today who's struggling with that desire for more. God, for, for me, God, I honestly admit it's the home, but maybe for others it's something else. I don't know what that is, God, but it is my prayer today that we would find satisfaction in you, God, and what we have. 
that Timothy reminds us that if we have clothing and food and shelter, really, God, that that is enough in this life, and that contentment is really great wealth. And so I pray today, God, that if someone is in this room, God, and they're being mastered or desiring more and it's just not enough, I pray, God, more than anything, you would show them that, God, you have given them more than enough to live this life. You've given them more than enough to be faithful. You've given them more than enough to be taken care of, God. And I pray, God, that we would, as a church, invest in what matters today. We would invest in people who are far from you, we would invest in our children and our families. We would invest, God, in your church and your kingdom because we know, God, that your kingdom is alive and well today, God. So would you help us to prioritize those things? Help us, God, to choose eternal over temporary. Help us to be satisfied in what we have and who we have. And we thank you for it, God. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.